الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى We're going to be starting the explanation of the kitab Al-Qawaid Al-Arba'ah We're going to be taking the kitab Al-Qawaid Al-Arba'ah This is a small treaty written and authored by Al-Shaykh Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahab ta'ala. And it is four principles in which if a person understands it it could be a good introduction for them in, 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 in Tawheed. Four qawaid, which are amma, general principles, that a student of knowledge must learn, must know these four principles. And to be very honest, as we inshallah ta'ala explain these four principles, you will find out and you will realize how important these four principles are. And how they've now become the discussion and the dialogue, even though the author rahimahullah, has written it a long time back. It still seems to be misunderstood and it still seems to be the discussion and the dialogue amongst many Muslims or a lot of people who attribute themselves to Islam. So inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to inshallah break down the four principles, what they are each, and then we're going to go in details inshallah ta'ala. So I'm going to give a general overview. And then I'm going to break it down, inshaAllah ta'ala, of what those principles are. So the first principle, the author, rahimahullah, he talks about Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is not enough to place a person in Jannah. And the Tawheed al-Rububiyyah la yakfi fi dukhul al-Jannah. To have Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is not enough to take you to Jannah. That is the first principle that the author, rahimahullah, expands on. The second principle is da'wa al-mushrikeen fi shirk the claim of the mushrikeen those who have associated partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it happened in two ways, he mentions. That they were seeking closeness, nearness, and a shafa'a intercession. Yani the claim of the idol worshippers, or those who associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their claim in why they worship these things, or whoever they were worshipping, was one of two reasons. Either al-qurba, they, want, they were looking for nearness, they wanted to get closer, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through these things. And the second one is al-shafa'a, which is intercession. That's, that's the second principle. And the third principle, the author, rahimahullah, he talks about ta'addudi ma'budatil mushrikeen. That the mushrikeen, those who associate partners with Allah, each one was worshipping diff- something different to the other. Or a group of them are worshipping something And another group of them are worshipping something else yani They varied in, their wa- in, in what they worshipped They were not all worshipping an idol So he's going to prove that The fourth one is The fourth is the difference Between the early mushrikeen And the mushrikeens of today The author rahimahullah He gives the differences Between the early mushrikeen and the current mushrikeen or the ones today. And the author rahimahullah expands on and explains that the mushrikeen zamanina, the mushrikeen of our time now, are actually worse 
than the early mushrikeen that we know of. He does that, rahimahullah, he explains that. So that is, inshallah ta'ala, what this four principle book, this book talks about, Al-Qawa'id Al-Arba. It talks about those four principles. Okay. Is there a board marker? Okay, I'm going to write the four principles on the board, inshallah ta'ala. Students of knowledge can write it, ibn al-Kareem. So, Al-Qa'idatul Ula. Al-Ula. And Al-Qa'idah. Al-Thaniya. And the third is Al-Qa'idah. Al-Thalitha. And the third, the fourth one is Al-Qa'ida Al-Rabi'ah. So let's look at La Yakfi The second one is So the author, rahimahullah, he mentions Al-Qa'idatul Ula anna al-Tawheed al-Rububiyyah la yakfi fi dukhul al-Jannah. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is not enough to place you in Jannah. If a person comes with Tawheed al-Rububiyyah, it's not enough to take you to Jannah. And inshallah ta'ala will take what Tawheed al-Rububiyyah is inshallah ta'ala, even that we've already spoken about it last year uh, in the explanation of the kitab Thalathatul Usul wa by the author himself. Al-Qa'idatu al-Thaniya, the second Qa'idah that the author, rahimahullah, is going to mention Da'wa al-Mushrikeena, the claim of the Mushrikeen, Mushrikeen, their claim uh, is Talabu al-Qurbati wa-Shafa'a. The Mushrikeen, they were claiming, okay, uh, in why they were doing shirk, when they were asked, why are you doing shirk for? They were claiming that they were looking for nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and intercession. This was their way to get near to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this was also their way 
of um, getting uh, intercession for them done. That's what they were saying. So inshallah ta'ala we're going to unpackage all of these qawaid and explain it and bring the evidences for it and discuss it inshallah ta'ala bi-idhnillahi al-kareem. The third qa'idah is هِيَ تَعَدُّدِ مَعْبُودَاتِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ فَلَيْسَتِ الْأَصْنَامُ فَقَطْ These idol worshippers or these mushrikeen, uh, uh, those who associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they were all not worshipping the same thing. It was ta'addud. Ta'addud means variation in the ma'budat that they worshipped. They were worshipping different things. And inshallah ta'ala, the author is going to mention what they were and the evidences for each one inshallah ta'ala. فَلَيْسَتِ الْأَصْنَامُ فَقَطْ A lot of people think all the Mushriki Quraysh were worshipping idols. No, they weren't all, all worshipping idols. And we'll see that inshallah ta'ala. الْقَاعِدَةُ الرَّابِعَةُ The fourth qa'ida is هِيَ الْفَرْقُ بَيْنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ السَّابِقِينَ وَالْلَاحِقِينَ The difference between the early Mushrikeen and the Mushrikeen who came after. Yani our current mushrikeen that we have today, um, we're going to compare the two. We're going to look at how they are towards, how they are to one another. And the author actually tr- proves that the lahiqina, the ones today, are worse than the mushrikeen of uh, the time of the Messenger Alayhi He proves that. So, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to see that inshallah ta'ala as well. So whenever you hear the kitab Al-Qawaid Al-Arba' The four principles These are the four principles That the author uh, Rahimahullah Ta'ala Is uh, going to discuss Insha'Allah Ta'ala And as you can see These four are very important If you actually memorize these principles You will go far Insha'Allah Ta'ala In discussing uh, idol worshippers And grave worshippers And, uh, and etc dis- you, You'll be able to go in with them Insha'Allah Ta'ala there is something I do want to say though. There is something I do want to say which is uh, Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah ta'ala The Shaykh is profound in his approach and his usage of the delil. It's just something that will take you back. Rahimahullah rahmatan wasi'ah. His tariqah is a tariqah jayyida. And the way he, he brings the points to you is just amazing. And one of the things that the Shaykh rahimahullah really loved was the concept of Qawaid, principles. That's very important for a student of knowledge to have principles. And these principles, then that you can use them where you go. Like, you know, when you study Qawaid al Fiqhiyah, which we, inshallah ta'ala, are going to be studying this year, inshallah ta'ala. Once you study Qawaid al Fiqhiyah, you, you have a principle. An issue comes up, you have a general principle, you can apply that, that situation, that scenario, and you place it under that principle. And that's always something you should try to work towards. Oh, students of knowledge, is to have principles. And that's what it is here. These are qawaid aqadiyya. They're not qawaid al-fiqiyya. They are qawaid aqadiyya. They are qawaid in the aqidah science, the science of aqidah. Okay? So inshallah ta'ala, I encourage you, all of you to memorize it. So his methodology, the author, rahimahullah, Muhammad bin Abdul Wahab, his methodology in his books are profound. But there's also another great scholar who took another approach in also pointing these points out, but coming to the same conclusion as the Sheikh. Muhammad Abdul Habib has a methodology to do it. And also, this great Imam who I'm going to mention, he also took another approach um, to come to the conclusion as well, to bring the point across. Yani, he used these principles in these ways, Muhammad Abdul Habib, he used another approach, and that is the great Imam Abdul Rahman Yahya al Muallimi. 
يعني معلمي هذا الطريقة slightly different from Ibn Abdul Wahab and if a student and also the great scholar of India Muhammad Bashir Asahsawani Bashir Muhammad Bashir Asahsawani also has a unique tariqa if a student combines between those three great imams and reads their work Bashir, uh, Muhammad Bashir Asahsawani has a refutation on Dahlan who was once upon a time the mufti of Mecca okay and a respected man because he was good at fiqh they used to go uh, to him and benefit from him so Bashir, uh, Muhammad Bashir al-Sahsawani uh, took it upon himself to refute him. And his book, if you read it, Rahimahullahu Rahmatan Wasa'a. Profound in the way he refutes him in issue of uluhiyah, grave worshipping, Masail Tata'alaku bil Ubudi Ibadah. He goes in with him. Abdul Rahman Yahya al-Mu'allimi wrote a kitab called Raf'ul Ishtibah, where he defines the word ma'na al-ibadati wal-ilah and also uh, the concept of shirk, what shirk means and what tawheed means. He'd, what does ibadah mean? What does ilah mean? What does shirk mean? What does tawheed mean? He points that the reason why people are arguing is because they don't know the definition of these words. Mu'alimi wrote a kitab on that. Profound. It will take you back. Raf'ul ishtibah. Those three great imams have all, rahimahumullah, contributed to the da'wah of the prophets and the messengers. Da'watul anbiya'i wal rusul, which is to call the people to what? La ilaha illallah Wahdahu la sharika lah La ilaha illallah That there is none worthy of worship They contributed to that So I encourage you all and I endorse you all to try to read their works But here inshallah ta'ala we're going to be taking the works of uh, This great Imam uh, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah So let's go in together inshallah ta'ala First of all we're going to go through a muqaddimah An introduction that the Shaykh rahimahullah put Before we go into the four qawaid he starts with, uh, so inshallah ta'ala, today we're going to be doing that uh, introduction and then we're going to be starting inshallah ta'ala uh, the, uh, then we're going to be starting inshallah ta'ala the principles next week inshallah ta'ala. So the author rahimahullah, he starts by saying, he says, As'alullah al-kareema rabb al-arsh al-azimi. He starts his book by saying, As'alullah, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala al-kareema, the generous one. This is the method of the author rahimahullah ta'ala and it's also the methodology of al-da'iyatu sadiq al-mukhlis the truth the true sincere uh, call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's path this is the way that they go about it which is to make dua for the person who is going to listen to you and benefit from you you make dua for them so the author rahimahullah he starts his book, and this is the methodology of the Sheikh. You'll see it. We saw it in Kitab Thalathatul Usul wa Adilatuha. What did he do? He made dua for the reader. What did he say? I'lam rahimakallahu annahu yajibu. I'lam arshadakallahu li ta'ati. And he makes dua for the person. And here he says, As'alullah al-kareem, Rabbal arshi al-azim. I ask, he says, the author rahimahullah, he says, Rabbal Arsh al the Lord of the throne. Rabbal Arsh al the great throne. The word As'alullah al Kareem, the word al Kareem, the author Rahimullah, he did istimbat. The ulama, brothers and sisters, please understand this point. The, the great Imams of Islam, when they speak, they take it from the Quran and they take it from the Sunnah. And their statements, it's taken from the Quran and it's also taken from the Sunnah. They don't just speak. Uh, as they want. Their speech 
is taken from somewhere. They are taking it from a particular place. Where is it that they took it from? They take it from the Quran and the Sunnah. Where did the Shaykh Rahimahullah take this from? When he says, As'alullah al-Kareem, I asked the one who is Kareem. He took it from Surah Al-Alaq. Where Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, he said, Iqra' Read. Iqra' wa Rabbuka al-Kareem. Read. And your Lord is a generous one. Because we're reading the book, the author Rahimahullah saw the word Kareem to be munasib. Iqra' the ayah says, Read. Wa Rabbuka al-Kareem. Your Lord, the generous Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he's asking Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala um, the most generous one, the kind and generous one for three things. Inshallah, we're going to see what the du'as is. Inshallah Ta'ala. The word Al-Kareem is ismu min asma'illahi Ta'ala. It's a name from the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And it's also his characteristics. It's Allah Tabarak Wa Ta'ala's characteristics. And it is because of Allah Ta'ala's karam that he guided the creation. And it is Allah Ta'ala's karam, his generosity, that he provided for the creation. He gave them rizq. And it is from the karam of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala that he placed the people into Jannah, those who obeyed him. And it is from the karam and the generosity of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala that he has sent messengers and other than those things which Allah has done for his creation. All of them are based on his karam, his kindness and his generosity. So the author, rahimahullah, he said, Rabbal Arsh al-Azim. The word al-Arsh, the Arsh is what? The Arsh is a'zamul makhluqat. It is the greatest creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what did he use? Fatawassala ila Allahi. He did tawassul to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala bi a'zami ma khalaqa. He done tawassul to Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. Yani he asked Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala uh, through that which Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, uh, the great thing that he created, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, you the Lord of all, the, the, the Arsh, the owner of the Arsh, give me this, he said. That is what the author says. And that is Tawheed. Uh, and the word Arsh has been described in the Qur'an with three characteristics. If you look at the Qur'an and you look for the word Al-Arsh, the characteristics that has been attached to the word Arsh, you find it's three. The first one is Al-Azama, that the Arsh is very big. That's why the author took that, that characteristic, which is Rabbul Arshi Al-Azim. If you look at the Qur'an, Allah uses Al-Azama for the Arsh. That is why Allah says, فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا فَقُلْ حَسْبِيَ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهَا so the first characteristic is Al-Arsh. Al-Azim. The Arsh is something very big. The second characteristic that's given to the word Al-Arsh in the Quran is Al-Majd. Allah Ta'ala, He says, Dhu'l-Arsh Al-Majid in Surah Al-Buruj. And that is according to the Qira'ah which reads with the Jar. Majidin. And the third characteristic is Al-Karam. Which is the one Allah mentions in Surah Al-Mu'minun. فَتَعَالَ اللَّهُ الْمَلِكُ الْحَقِّ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا هُوَ رَبُّ الْعَرْشِ الْكَرِيمِ So Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala in the Qur'an, He described the Arsh بثلاث الصفات in three characteristics. The first one is Al-Azamah. The third one is Al-Majd. And the third one is Al-Karam. Those are the three characteristics Allah gave to the Arsh, a creation of His. And it's, it's the greatest creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
the author's dua is the following. The first dua that he made is أَن يَتَوَلَّاكَ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخَرَةِ That Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala becomes the close ally of the reader in this world and in the hereafter. That's why Allah says in the Quran in Surah Al-A'raf إِنَّ وَلِيَّ اللَّهُ الَّذِي نَزَّلَ الْكِتَابَ وَهُوَ يَتَوَلَّى الصَّالِحِينَ إِنَّ وَلِيَّ اللَّهُ My wali, my close ally, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala الَّذِي نَزَّلَ الْكِتَابَ The one who has sent down the book. وَهُوَ Allah is the one يَتَوَلَّى الصَّالِحِينَ Allah is the one who took over the affairs of the believers, who takes care of the believers. Also Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, he says in the Quran in Surah Al-Anfal, Allah says, نِعْمَ الْمَوْلَى وَنِعْمَ النَّصِيرِ Also Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, He says in Surah Al-Hajj, فَنِعْمَ الْمَوْلَى وَنِعْمَ النَّصِيرِ Also Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, He says, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ مَوْلَى الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَأَنَّ الْكَافِرِينَ لَا مَوْلَى لَهُمْ The believers, their wali is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who aids them, who supports them, who takes care of them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the author, rahimahullah, the first dua that he made is, أَن يَتَوَلَّاكَ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ That Allah, tabaraka wa ta'ala, He aids you and supports you and protects you in this world and in the hereafter. How is it that Allah, tabaraka wa ta'ala, how does Allah do al-wilaya fi dunya? It means al-hidayatu ila sirat al-mustaqim, that Allah guides you to the straight path. Allah distances you subhanahu wa ta'ala and shubuhati wa shahawat, desires and also doubts. And the hereafter, the way Allah tabarak wa ta'ala does wilaya for your yatawallaka fil akhirah is at-tuma'neenah. Allah gives you tranquility. Min kurubil mahshar. The day when the creation are going to be gathered. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala gives you tranquility from the distress of the day when the people gather. And the procedures that will take place that day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He brings into your heart tranquility and ease. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the first dua. Isn't that not great, brothers? This shows us the mercy that a, a person should have to the community and to the Muslims. You have to be a very merciful person. The second is, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He makes you mubarak. Aynama kunta, wherever you are. What does it mean? Fi ayy zamanin, aw makanin, halalta fi. Wherever you go, whatever time it is, whatever place it is that you go, that Allah tabarak wa ta'ala makes you mubarak. And a mubarak is one who benefits himself, number one, and benefits those who are around him. And this dua, the author took it from, uh, Surah Maryam وَجَعَلَنِي مُبَارَكًا أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُ وَأُوصَانِي بِالصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاةِ مَا دُمْتُ حَيَّا Nabiu Allah Isa, what did he say? Allah has made me subhanahu wa ta'ala mubarakan a person full of blessings أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُ wherever I am وَأُوصَانِي بِالصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاةِ and Allah commanded me, instructed me the salah and the zakat مَا دُمْتُ حَيَّا as long as I'm alive the blessings that a Muslim has, the barakah of a Muslim, is that wherever he goes, he teaches other people, he teaches them the religion. Every 
And everybody, of course, does that in accordance to their knowledge and their understanding of the religion. So, the sign of a blessed individual is wherever he goes, he's always preaching the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that which he's first of all preaching to the people is Tawheed. That's the first thing he's calling the people to. That's a person who's Mubarak. He's calling the people to Tawheed. Let's take a Tabtil al Hasr. Nabiullah Yusuf alayhi salam. Yusuf is in prison. He's in prison. He's being put in prison. Da'a ila Tawheed. He called to Tawheed. And this is the Baraka of Nabiullah Yusuf. He said to him, Ya Sahibi, Sijini. He says, Is it right for you to worship many gods and abandon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not worship Him? Is it better to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one and only, or all the other things that you call on to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Our Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He spent his whole entire life, the 23 years he was a messenger and a prophet from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was calling the people to Tawheed, alayhi salatu salam. He never left calling to it. Then the author, rahimahullah, he said, وَأَنْ يَجْعَلَكَ مُبَارَكًا أَيْنَمَا كُنْتْ وَأَنْ يَجْعَلَكَ مِمَّنْ إِذَا أُعْطِيَ شَكَرَ وَإِذَا بَتُّلِيَ صَبَرَ وَإِذَا أَذْنَبَ اسْتَغْفَرْ فَإِنَّ هَؤُلَاءِ a person. That Allah makes you. Mimman ida u'tiya wonder if he's given. Shakara he shows gratitude. If he's given, he shows gratitude. Wa ida sabara. And when he is tested, he shows patience. Wa ida astaghfara. And when he commits a sin, he asks Allah for forgiveness. Verily, those three is the true meaning of success and happiness. The author, rahimahullah, he took this from Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim. Ibn Al-Qayyim said this statement uh, in his kitab Al-Wabil Al-Sayyib, page 11. The author took that from Ibn Al-Qayyim. The sign of a person who is successful in life and prosperous and Allah Taala loves you, and you love Allah Taala. Is that ida u'tiya shakara? When you're given, you show gratitude. Wa ida betuliya sabara. When you are tested with calamities and hardship, you show patience. Wa ida adna bastaghfara. And when you commit a sin, you ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for forgiveness. The author is making du'a for you that Allah makes you that. Let's take the first one, which is when you are given, you show gratitude. Showing gratitude is one of the ways that the blessing remains. One of the things that allow the blessing that you currently have to remain is by showing gratitude. The scholars, they say, Through gratitude, the blessing remains. And some scholars, they said, Shukr is what? Shukr is it holds down for you, it keeps for you the current blessings that you have. If you show gratitude, Allah will allow the blessings that you currently have to remain for you. And shukr also brings for you 
what is missing from you. What you don't have, it will bring it for you. Qala ta'ala Allah says, لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ وَلَإِن كَفَرْتُمْ إِنَّ عَذَابِي لَشَدِيدٌ لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ If you show gratitude, لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ I will increase it for you. If you show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will be given what you didn't have. And what you currently had will remain for you. It won't go. The people who didn't show gratitude, Allah took from them what he gave them. قال تعالى الله سي سبحانه وتعالى لقد كان لسبأ في مسكنهم آية جنتان عيمين وشمال كلوا من رزق ربكم واشكروا له بلدة طيبة ورب غفور فأعرضوا فأرسلنا عليهم سيل العرم وبدلناهم بجنتيهم جنتين ذواتي أكل خمط وأثن وشيء من سدر قليل ذلك جزيناهم بما كفروا Allah mentions here subhanahu wa ta'ala that the people of Sabah, Allah gave them subhanahu wa ta'ala everything. They had a beautiful land. The weather was good. Rain was descending onto them. Vegetation in the crops was up. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, he said, وَرَبٌ غفور, Your Lord is forgiving. And Allah is pleased with you subhanahu wa ta'ala. What else could they have had? They're missing. What else could they be looking for? Nothing is missing from them. They have everything they're looking for. Allah says, فَعَرَضُوا They turned away. By doing what? By not showing gratitude to the blessing. فَعَرَضُوا They turned away. They did not show gratitude to the blessing that was given to them. فَعَرَضُوا فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ سَيْلَ الْعَرِمِ Allah says, we sent onto their gardens creatures that went into their gardens and destroyed it. Everything they had, Allah destroyed it in front of their eyes. Allah took from them the blessing He gave them subhanahu wa ta'ala And Allah then explains to us why He did this subhanahu wa ta'ala Because Allah is not one who oppresses He is not Allah does not oppress the creation So why did He do this to them subhanahu wa ta'ala He did this to them because they showed kufrun ni'mah What is kufrun ni'mah? Lack of gratitude they didn't show gratitude to Allah's blessings that He gave them. So Allah took it away from them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He took it away from them. The second is وَإِذَا بِتُولِيَ sabara. The second dua, that the, author, the second point that He mentioned in this place, the dua He made is وَإِذَا بِتُولِيَ sabara. And when you are afflicted with uh, calamities, that you show gratitude. Sabar is matiyatul la yadillu rakibuha. If you gain patience, you've truly gained a lot in life. Yani, patience is murul mudaq. It is hard to taste. It is hard to take in. But the results for it is very big. And Allah wa ta'ala are with those who are patient. Those who show sabr, Allah is with them subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the sabr, the reward for it, Allah ta'ala made it ambiguous, vague. Allah says in the Quran, subhanahu wa ta'ala, innama yuwaffa sabiruna ajrahum bighayri hisab. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says that the ones who are patient, their reward 
is without any restriction. There is no figure or a numbers put on it. And when Allah Taala says to you, I'm going to reward you for this, and he doesn't give you a number to it, we know Allah Taala is ghari, Allah is rich, and Allah Taala is generous. So we know what Allah is going to give us is going to be something very big. Okay? Sabr happens in three ways. The first one is sabrun ala al-ma'asi. Sorry, sabrun ala al-ma'asi. Patience from the sins. I need to be patient from committing sins. You have to be patient. You have to restrain yourself. The word sabr means habsun nafs. is to imprison the nafs from committing sins. The second one is sabrun ala ta'atillah. Being patient in the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani you require patience to recite the Quran. It requires patience to stand up at night and pray. It requires patience to fast on Mondays and Thursdays. All of these are sabr. And the third one is sabr ala al-masa'ib al-mu'limah. Patience on the hard calamities that befall, befall you. The great harmful things that you see in life that happen to you, show patience to them. If you come with those three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the reward he's going to give you is not something you can, you can ever think of. The reward is very high. The last one is, وَإِذَا أَذْنَبَ استغفر. That when you commit a sin, may Allah make you a person. That when you commit a sin and you fall into a dhamb, you do a sin, what do you do? Istaghfara, you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. You ask Him for forgiveness subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the greatest signs of a slave is that when he or she falls into a sin, is that they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala straight away. And that is why Allah Taala He said in the Quran, "وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً أَوْ ظَلَمُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ ذَكَرُوا اللَّهَ فَاسْتَغْفَرُوا لِذُنُوبِهِمْ وَمَنْ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَلَمْ يُسِرُّ عَلَى مَا فَعَلُوا وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ." Allah Taala He says, "وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً when they do a sin and they exceed their limits and they go against their Lord Allah Subhanahu wa Taala." وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاحِشَةً Or they transgress on themselves. Because this body of ours was never made for it to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was made to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To adhere to its master. So whenever you do a sin, you are oppressing yourself. Whenever they do that, they fall short. Or they fall into the sins. They remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala straight away. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is big in their hearts and mind. They slipped. They remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they ask Allah for forgiveness. They say, Ya Rabbi, اغفر لي. Oh Allah, forgive me. And they repent to Him. And they are not consistent upon the sin. They are not consistent on the wrong. They are not. وَلَمْ يُسِرُّوا عَلَى مَا فَعَلُوا وَهُمْ يَعْلَمُونَ They don't continue doing it. What do they do? They repent back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
That is a sign of a person who is successful, a noble person. If إِذَا أُعْطِيَ شَكَرَ وَإِذَا بِتُلِيَ صَبَرَ وَإِذَا أَذْنَبَ اسْتَغْفَرَ that when he is given, he shows gratitude. When he is tested in life, he shows patience. And when he commits a sin, he repents to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately. This is the sign of a person who Allah has chosen subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah commanded us to repent in the Quran. He said, وَاسْتَغْفِرُ Repent. وَاسْتَغْفِرْ Repent. لِذَنْبِكَ Repent from the sin that you have done. فَعَلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لِذَنْبِكَ Repent from the sin that you did. After Allah mentioned لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ He said, ask Allah for forgiveness from the sins that you have done. Also Allah Taala He mentioned in the Quran from the Messenger to ask for forgiveness. إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهُ إِنَّهُ كَانَ تَوَّابًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he asks Allah for forgiveness when he sees the people entering the religion of Islam in numbers that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asks Allah for forgiveness also Allah tabarakwa ta'ala he said Ya amanu tubu nasuha. Those of you who believe in Allah wa Taala, repent a great repentance. Repent a tawbah which is nasuha. Yani turn back to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Those three are fahaulai thalatha Those three are amaratu saada mujtamia. Those three are the three signs of happiness. Are you looking for happiness, Ya Abdullahi wa Ya Amatullah? The male and female slave of Allah. Are you looking for happiness? If you are, then be a person uh, that these three things you come with. Now the author, Rahimahullah, since we have time, we'll st- we're going to carry on, inshallah ta'ala. The author, Rahimahullah, he starts by saying, "Ilam know, arshadak Allah li taatihi, anna al-hanifiyyah millat Ibrahim." The author, rahimahullah, he said, "Ilam know." And the word "ilam" means have knowledge, wala takun jahila. Know and don't be ignorant of what I'm going to tell you. That which I'm going to ten- tell you is a great thing. It's a amrun azim. It's a great matter. So the author, rahimahullah, he is saying, be a person who knows it and not one who is ignorant of it. He then says, Allahu, May Allah guide you, subhanahu wa ta'ala, li ta'atihi. May Allah guide you and put you into, onto the path of guidance. The author, rahimahullah, here he says, Arshadaka Allahu. May Allah put you in the direction of guidance. Yani, may Allah give you hidayah. Wadallaka ila tariq al-mustaqim. And show you the straight path. May Allah do that for you. 
guidance involves Allah giving you the ability to obey Him subhanahu wa ta'ala and distancing from you sinning and disobeying Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. When someone makes dua for you and says to you, may Allah guide you, it means may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dalaka ila ta'a, may Allah show you the path of obedience. May Allah bestow upon you the strength and the ability to obey Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, may Allah distance from you the disobedience of his or falling into sins. So the author here, he says, may Allah ta'ala guide you and show you the straight path. That's what he means. وَلِذَلِكَ Ali ibn Abi Talib ta'ala anhu From the dua he used to say to the people to say or the messenger said it to him and Ali used to say to other people to say it as well. That the Prophet ﷺ said to Ali, Qul say Ali, Allahumma hadini wa saddidni. Oh Allah, guide me and also keep me upright. Wadhkur bil huda hidayataka tariqa wa sadadi sadad sahmi. Also the Prophet ﷺ said to Muawiyah, Allahumma ja'alhu hadiyan mahdiyya wahdi bihi. The Messenger ﷺ he made dua for Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The Prophet said to him, Allahumma ja'aluhu hadiyya. Oh Allah, make him guided. And make him a means to guide other people. So, the concept of guidance is something the Muslim needs every time. And it's not something we say to ourselves, Allah has guided me, so then why do I need to ask for guidance? In Surah Al-Fatiha, in every single rak'ah, we have to read Surah Al-Fatiha. Is that not the case? What is it that we say in Surah Al-Fatiha? We say, إِهْدِنَ الصَّلَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ Oh Allah, guide us on the straight path. So the person should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, فِي الْيَوْمِ وَالْلَيْلَةِ Day and night. He asks what? بِالْهِدَايَةِ He asks Allah for guidance. وَلِذَلِكَ قِيَامُ اللَّيْلِ The night prayer. The Messenger before he would start his recitation of the Quran, he would say, Allahumma fatir as samawati wal ard, alim al ghaybi wal shahada, anta tahkumu bayna ibadika fi ma kanu fihi yakhtalifun ihdini. And imagine Nabiullah Muhammad, who's always guided by the revelation, is saying to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, ihdini limakhtulifa fihi min al haqi bi idni. Inna katahdi man tashaw ila sirati mustaqim. Oh Allah, guide me to the straight path. The straight path. Oh Allah, guide me. So we shouldn't be arrogant and full of our, ourselves and think to ourselves that we're guided. Allah has chosen us, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's nothing in our lives that we need to perfect. No, that's not the case. Every day we, we're asking Allah for guidance. and We beg Him for guidance, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabiullah Ibrahim who is Khalilullah, Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim as a young child, he destroyed the idols. He fought against shirk as a child. He fought against it. He knew what the idols were. As a young boy, he knew what it was. And he destroyed the entire idols. With that said, when he became older in age and he became a prophet, what was it that he asked Allah for? He said, Rabbi junubni wa baniya na'bud al-aslam. Oh Allah, protect me and my progeny 
from worshipping idols. An idol that Ibrahim is very well acquainted with. He knows it very well. He understands it. Ma'adalik, he was still worried and scared. And he was saying, oh Allah, protect me and my offspring from worshipping idols. So shirk is something we always should be worried about and scared. And it's something we should always ask Allah guidance from. And that Allah guides us to tawheed. And that Allah guides us to the sunnah and that Allah guides us subhanahu wa ta'ala to the ta'a, obedience of his. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the author, rahimahullah, mentions anna al-hanifiyyata millata Ibrahim. Now some of you may ask, anna al-hanifiyya, the word hanifiyya, what does it actually mean? The word hanifiyya, it means al-ma'ilu anishirki ila tawheed. It is the one that is deviated from shirk and is straight on tawheed and he's far from shirk and he's on he's upon the path of tawheed but the question here is we generally see the the repetition also in the works of the shaykh here and also in the quran we see it a lot that allah mentions uh, but why millat ibrahim why not millat musa or isa why not the other prophets? Why specifically Ibrahim salam? That is a question Ibn Jarir al-Tabari and other great scholars have answered. And the response to that is the people that the Messenger وسلم, was talking to, Kuffar Quraysh, they used to attribute themselves to and ascribe themselves to who? Ibrahim salam. And Quraysh is from the Dhurriya, the offspring of Ibrahim salam. And they held Ibrahim at high esteem. They held him to a high esteem. They respected him. They admired him. So Allah is talking to them through a person they understand, somebody they appreciate. Ibrahim, who you claim, who you attribute yourselves to, was upon Tawheed, was not upon Shirk. That to relate to them. That is why Millat Ibrahim is used. The second reason is. The prophets are from the offspring of who? Ibrahim salam. And Ibrahim, Allah Taala mentioned in the Quran that Allah is going to make the Tawheed that Ibrahim came with. And all the other prophets of course came with it. But Allah mentioned specifically for Ibrahim that he's going to make it something that's going to remain after him. وَجَعَلَهَا كَلِمَةً بَاقِيَةً فِي عَقِبِهِ Allah made Ibrahim what he called to something that remained after him. And Allah promised Ibrahim that is going to leave for him a good remembrance. And people are going to remember him in good and love him. The Christians and the Jews, both parties, they were arguing over Ibrahim salam. Each party was claiming him. And Allah Taala told them, ما كان إبراهيم ولا Ibrahim is not a Jew or a Christian. ولكن كان حنيفا مسلما. Ibrahim is a Hanif. Ibrahim is far from shirk and associating partners with Allah. Ibrahim is what? He's upon Tawheed. Also Allah Taala told us that the person who turns away from what Ibrahim called to, the Tawheed Ibrahim called to, anyone who turns away from it is a dim-witted individual. Allah Taala He said, وَمَنْ يَرْغَبُ عَمْ إِبْرَاهِيمَ إِلَّا مَنْ سَفِهَ نَفْسَهِ The person who turns away from Ibrahim's Tawheed and the call of Ibrahim is a dim-witted individual. And Allah then says, وَلَقَدْ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَإِنَّهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ لَمِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ 
Ibrahim, we chose him in this world. Allah chose him subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was picked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, Millata Ibrahim is going to be repeated a lot. And we find that in Surah Al-Hajj where Allah says, Millata Abikum Ibrahim. And Ibrahim is Abu Al-Anbiya, the father of all prophets. So the author Rahimullah says, Anna Al-Hanifiyata Millata Ibrahim. As I mentioned, the word Al-Hanifiya, what does it mean? It means Al-Maylu. في لغة العرب the word الحنيفية means الميل that's what it means so it means to deviate it's when something is crooked and it's not straight it's crooked it's like this that's what it means but in this context what does it mean it means الطريقة التي مالت عن الشرك وهديت إلى صلات المستقيم it is the path that has been diverted from the idol worshipping or associating partners with Allah and it has been made straight to the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So al-maylu an shirki it's far from shirk and it's straight to tawheed. That's what it means. What does millata Ibrahim mean? What does the word millata Ibrahim mean? Millata Ibrahim here does not mean furu'u sharia. It doesn't mean Ibrahim's sharia. It doesn't mean it. It doesn't mean the sharia of Ibrahim. It means the aqeed of Ibrahim. Because Ibrahim's Sharia is not something we follow, and this is something you have to understand. The previous messengers and prophets, their legislation is not a legislation for us. Our religion came to uh, abrogate the previous religions. Deenul al Islam abrogated the previous religions. The scholars they say, Al Sharia wal Aqeedah, sah? Al Sharia means Masail Fiqhia issues. Lacking Tawheed on the other hand We follow Ibrahim in Tawheed Allah mentioned the Prophet to follow Ibrahim And ittabi' millata Ibrahim Follow the religion of Ibrahim Aqeedah to Ibrahim Yani Tawheed that Ibrahim called to Our messenger was instructed to follow it But not how Ibrahim prayed That's different Our praying, our fasting, our zakat Is different By the way, all of the Prophets Allah sent Min Nuhin salam ila Nabiullah Muhammad All of them prayed All of them prayed salah but their salahs were different. We mentioned pre just a couple of minutes ago, we mentioned that uh, Isa saying, وَجَعَلَنِي مُبَارَكًا أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُ وَأُوصَانِي بِالصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاةِ مَدُمْتُ حَيَّةِ So Isa السلام, prayed, salah. So all the prophets Allah mentioned in the Quran that they prayed. That's not what it means, مِلَّةَ Ibrahima. It doesn't mean it. It means عَقِيدَةَ Ibrahim. That's what it means. Also, there's another qira'ah of reading Ibrahim as Ibrahim. Instead of saying Ibrahim, you say Ibrahim. Both ways are correct and it's recited both ways. But it's not in every place in the Quran where Ibrahim is read, read as Ibrahim. It's considered not from the usul al-qira'ah, it is considered from the al-farsh. It's not qa'idah mutarida, it's not applied everywhere. Now the author explains to us what Millata Ibrahim means. And Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab is going to tell us what Millata Ibrahim means. He said, This is Millata Ibrahim. Or oh, this is Al Hanifiyat Millata Ibrahim. That's, this is what it is. Which is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Now we have to kind of break down the words here. And the word we hear, we have the word Ibadah here. 
Ibadah, when you look at what the scholars say, they look at Ibadah from two perspectives, from two angles we look at the word Ibadah. First way we look at it is Al-Muta'abbadu bihi and At-Ta'abbud. Those are two perspectives we look at it. Yani Al-Muta'abbadu bihi and Al-Ta'abbud. Those are two different ways of looking at it. Al-Muta'abbadu bihi means what is considered as Ibadah. What is something that the Sharia considers Ibadah? The definition for that is the one that Shaykh Al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah gave in his Kitab Al-Ubudiyyah which is Ismun Jami'un لِكُلِّ مَا يُحِبُّهُ اللَّهُ وَيَرْضَاهُ مِنَ الْأَقْوَالِ مِنَ الْأَقْوَالِ وَالْأَعْمَالِ الظَّاهِرَةِ وَالْبَاطِنَةِ And some of the Nusakhs they say مِنَ الْأَفْعَالِ وَالْأَقْوَالِ مِنَ الْأَقْوَالِ وَالْأَفْعَالِ الظَّاهِرَةِ وَالْبَاطِنَةِ Instead of saying A'mal, it says Af'al. It's a general term. Everything Allah Taala loves in terms of action and speech, whether it's external or internal. That is Al-Muta'abbadubi. What does, when do we say this is a ibadah? This is a ibadah. If Allah loves it and is pleased with it, those two, Allah loves it and is pleased with it, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether it be speech or action, and those speech and action can be external and internal. That's a ibadah now. Okay? At-ta'abbud ilakin. At-ta'abbud, what does it mean? It means, how do I do this act of worship? How do I. Uh, it's ibadah, how do I do it? You do it with two characteristics. Kamalul hubbi with kamalul khudu' Wa ibadatul rahmani ghayatu hubbihi wa khudu'i qasidihi huma qutbani ibn al-qayyim says in his nuniyah. You do it with complete love and complete humbleness. Walidhalika anything that you do with complete love and complete hum- humbleness is considered ibadah. That you did for other Allah ta'ala. If you do something for someone with complete love and complete humbleness, it becomes shirk. You've done shirk for them. Okay? So, we've spoken about what ibadah means, which is, and ta'bud Allah to worship Allah. We've, we spoke about what it means. Wahdahu, you worship Allah alone. You don't worship anybody with Him. You don't do ibadah for anyone other than Allah. You do it with sincerity. The word ikhlas, what does it mean? Ikhlas, it means that your intent behind doing this thing is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have no other person in your heart when you're doing this. Ikhlasuna lillahi saffil qalba min iradati siwahu fahdar ya fatin. There's no one else in your mind and heart when you're doing this. Allah alone. And Allah commanded us in the Quran, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ that we were commanded to worship Allah Taala alone, no one else, and we do it with ikhlas, Subhanahu wa Taala. Ikhlas it means negating ibadah from everybody other than Allah. Yani no one is entitled for ibadah other than Allah. No one else is. Only Allah wa Taala. وَبِذَلِكَ أَمَرَ اللَّهُ جَمِيعَ النَّاسِ. Author then says. And Allah commanded this to all of the people. And nasa here means everybody. Istighraqiyah. All of the people. We were all commanded. No person rejected that. Turned away from that. Except a person of the hellfire. A person who Allah chose to misguide them. Every other noble, righteous person accepted that. Allah is the only one who deserves to be worshipped alone. The fitrah accepts it. 
the fitrah calls to tawheed ma min mawludin illa wa huwa yuladu ala al-fitrah fa abawahu yuhawidanihi aw yunassiranihi aw yumajjisani the fitrah accepts tawheed it is walidhalika the hadith of iyad ibn himar al-mujashi'i in sahih muslim the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he mentioned that every single person was upon the what? They were upon the fitrah. They were upon their natural disposition. What happened? What took them is the shayateen. The shayateen came and they took them. And dinihim. The shayateen came and they diverted them from the straight path. وَأَمَرَتْهُمْ أَنْ يُشْرِكُوا بِاللَّهِ مَا لَمْ يُنَزِّلْ بِهِ سُلْطَانًا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ مَقَتَهُمْ Allah wa ta'ala, they told them to worship idols. Shayateen came and they said, worship the idols, worship this, worship this, don't worship Allah. And the fitrah like in, what did it command us? Worship Allah alone. وَأَقِمْ وَجْهَكَ لِلدِّينِ حَنِيفًا فِطْرَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي فَطَرَ النَّاسَ عَلَيْهَا لَا تَبَدِيلَ لِخَلْقِ اللَّهِ ذَلِكَ الدِّينُ الْقَيِّمُ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ The scholars, they said, the fitrah here is talking about istuhid. And worshiping Allah alone, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the only people who chose to dismiss this and say, I don't want to worship Allah Taala alone, is those who Allah Taala wanted for them destruction in this world and in the hereafter. Let alone atheism who calls to Allah not existing. That is far-fetched. It's so pathetic to believe in atheism that Allah Taala never gave it any weight in discussing it in details in the Quran. Because it goes against any rational mind that an existing thing came out of nothing. What kind of mindset would say that? What kind of individual would, would, would argue such a thing? That something that exists came about without any cause, without any creator creating it. It's an illogical absurdity. And it is an irrational argument. The author then says, Allah created them for this reason. The reason why you and I were all created and Allah brought us in this, in, in this world. Your purpose in this world today. Many people today, they say I was looking for my purpose in life. I'm looking, I'm looking for my journey in life. I need to travel the world to find my purpose in life. Your purpose in life is to worship Allah alone, subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is a tawheed. It is to single Allah ta'ala in worship. That is why Allah created you. Allah mentioned it in the Quran, وَمَا خَلَقَتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Abdullah ibn Abbas gave a qa'idah muttarida. A qa'idah muttarida means what? A continuous principle, which is what? Wherever you see in the Quran that the word ibadah is mentioned, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma, he said it means a wahidu, single Allah. So here we have وَمَا خَلَقَتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ we have it means that's what it means to single Allah in worship wherever in the Quran you see the word ibadah mentioned and you're commanded to come with it Abdullah ibn Abbas gave you a principle automatically that, that word you can change it with in terms of meaning not in terms of recitation you can change it with uh, and Imam al-Baghawi mentions that in his tafsir so Allah Taala here, what did He say? I did not create the jinn, and I did not create the ins except for this purpose. This is why I created them. Allah then says after that, ma uridu minhum min rizqin wa ma uridu an yutaimun. 
Allah Taala says, I do not want from them to provide for me. Rather, Allah is going to provide for you, Subhanahu wa Taala. Allah is going to give you everything you need in this world. But first of all, you have to come with your ibadah. Wallahi, what's amazing is that Allah mentioned right next, these two verses are right next to each other, right? In Surah Dhariyat. What's amazing is that Allah is saying that I did not create you for any other reason or purpose except to worship me. And then Allah Taala He said, I do ma uridu minu min rizqin. I don't want rizq and provision for them. I don't want them to provide for me. Allah said, I'm the one who's going to provide for you. If you come with ibadatullahi wahda, you single Allah ta'ala in ibadah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for you provision, rizq. Look at the correlation between the ayahs. You come with ibadah, you perfect your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will open all doors for you subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will. Now, in the Quran, what was the first command? If we open the Mus'haf today, we open the Mus'haf, Surah Al-Fatiha and Surah Al-Baqarah. Okay, when we open it, what is the first command that we come across in the Quran? What's the first Amr in the Quran after we open the Quran, Mus'haf? Fatiha and then Surah Al-Baqarah. The first command is, Ya khalaqakum. Imagine that. The first Amr in the Mus'haf, al-Mus'haf, if you go according to the way the Mus'haf is written and the sequence of the Mus'haf, you find that the first command is what? Ya And again, what did we say? When, when we say, when we hear Ya straight away we're gonna say Ya single Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, the one who created you subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is the first prohibition Allah tabarak wa ta'ala prohibited in the Quran? The first prohibition is what? To abstain away from the first prohibition is shirk, to stay away from shirk. Allah says, Ya Yanas Ubudu Rabbukum Ladi Khalakum Ladina Min Kablikum Lalakum Tatakun, and Ladi Dalakum Arda Firash and was Sama Abina and Wanzala Minasama Ima, Fakhrajabi Minasamaratis Kalakum, Felatet Alulillahi and Dad, the one to Talamun. Felatet Alu is the first Nahi. And the first Amr is Ubudu Rabbukum. Felatet Alulillahi and Dad, the one to Talamun is the first prohibition. Stay away from shirk. Don't associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This really shows us something. It's, it's telling us something. It's not random that this happened. It's not just a coincidence that it happened. There's a hikmah, baligha, an utmost wisdom Allah Taala chose this for it to be like this. And that is the first thing that we call to and the first thing that we strengthen in our lives, in, the, in our community. And the people we deal with is the relationship between them and Allah, the tawheed, singling Allah in worship. And then the second thing that we jump to is the salah wa hakadha. The first thing that we warn the people against is not zina. The first thing we warn them against is shirk. Because shirk is that one thing Allah does not forgive. If somebody comes with shirk, Allah will not forgive them. Also Allah says, Allah does not forgive a person who does shirk. If a person does shirk, it nullifies all of their righteous deeds. If someone does associate partners with Allah in, in something, Allah will free himself from you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's nothing to do with you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the biggest command in the Quran, and the biggest prohibition in the Quran is 
don't associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The author, rahimahullah, he then says, the author then says, فَإِذَا عَرَفْتَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ خَلَقَكَ لِعِبَادَتِي فَعْلَمْ أَنَّ الْعِبَادَةَ لَا تُسَمَّى عِبَادَةً إِلَّا مَعَ التَّوْحِيدِ Ponder here, the author, rahimahullah, after he mentioned, يعني Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, after he mentioned, that Allah tabarak wa ta'ala created the creation, for what reason? Why did Allah create the creation? He created the creation to worship him alone, صح? عِبَادَةُ وَحْدَةُ Okay. And author rahimahullah mentioned that this is for everybody. Whether you're young, whether you're old, everyone needs to worship Allah alone. Okay. And he brought the evidence for it. وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Now, from that, the author is now trying to bring a natija from it, a conclusion out of it. Let's look at his conclusion. Three points he's going to bring from it. Three points. The first one is, Allah created the creation not to just worship Him. Mm-mm. That's wrong to say Allah created the creation to worship Him. لا, Allah didn't. He created the creation to worship Him alone. Alone. We have to add that word in there. Okay? Allah, because remember we said the word means Allah created the creation to worship Him alone. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alone. That's the first thing the author wants to point out here. The second thing he wants to extract from here, the ayah is, لا تصح عبادة إلا مع التوحيد. There's no ibadah from you that's accepted unless it's done with tawheed. Second point he wants to prove. Someone might does it, does it ibadah. The author wants to show, show them that that ibadah you just did is not accepted unless it's done with tawheed. The third thing that the author, rahimahullah, wants to mention is if shirk enters a ibadah, it will corrupt that ibadah. Those are the three points he now wants to bring to your attention. Listen to this. He says, If you've now accepted and recognized and agreed with me on, and Allah Allah created you to worship him, then fa'lam also know This is not called the ibadah unless it's done with tawheed. When we look at the usage of the sharia, when the sharia used the word ibadah, what does it, what does it, what does it mean, ibadah in the sharia? I already told you, Ibn Abbas told you, wherever you find ibadah in the Quran is what? Tawheed. So, this is not called the ibadah if there's no tawheed, in, if it's not done with tawheed. That's what he's saying to you. Now, he's, now the evidence for that is what? وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ Allah says, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ We were not commanded to worship Allah except with what? مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ Allah also said in the Quran, فَعْبُدُهُ فَعْبُدُهُ مُخْلِصًا لَهُ الدِّينَ Worship Allah تبارك وتعالى فَعْبُدِ اللَّهَ مُخْلِصًا لَهُ الدِّينَ Sorry. Worship Allah تبارك وتعالى with sincerity in the religion. فَعْبُدِ اللَّهَ Worship Allah مُخْلِصًا لَهُ الدِّينَ ما معنى مُخْلِصًا لَهُ الدِّينَ يعني alone for him سبحانه وتعالى That's what he Then the author رحمه الله he says فَعْلَمْ نَوْ أَنَّ الْعِبَادَةَ لَا تُسَمَّى عِبَادَةً إِلَّا مَعَ is not a considered ibadah according to the sharia unless you deal with tawheed. Write this down, brothers and sisters. There's a shart, a condition for every ibadah that you do. There's a, there's a condition before it that you need to meet 
in order for that to be considered a ibadah. What are they? One of them, the author just mentioned it to you, which is ikhlas. Ikhlas is a prerequisite. It's a shart for what? The ibadah. The second condition is what? Al-mutaba'ah. That you do it in accordance to the way that the Prophet sallallahu did it. You can't just worship Allah the way you want to. Because what did I say before? Ibadah is what? Ismun jami'un li kulli ma yuhibbuhu Allah wa yarda min al-aqwal wal-a'mal al-zahirati wal-batin. I said ibadah is something Allah loves and is pleased with, right? How do you know Allah is pleased with this thing? How do you know Allah is pleased and is happy with this actions or action of yours? You can't know. The way for you to know that Allah Taala is pleased with this thing that you're doing and Allah Taala loves it is only through the Prophet. As the uh, scholar Junaid said, he said, الطرق كلها مسدودة إلا طريق من اقتفى أثر محمد All of the roads are closed. There's no road to Allah Taala. الطرق كلها مسدودة إلا طريق من اقتفى أثر محمد Except the one who follows the path of Nabi Allah Muhammad. And all of the roads to Allah are blocked. There's, there's, a, there's, there's a block on it. You can't go. The road to Allah Taala is what? It is only the path that the Prophet ﷺ took. So any ibadah that you're going to do, if you don't do it with ikhlas and mutaba'ah, it's not accepted. But at the ending of Surah Al-Kahf, Allah says, فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا That's following the Prophet ﷺ. وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا is what? Ikhlas. Ibn Kathir says that in his tafsir. فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ Let him worship Allah. In with what? فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا يعني متابعة الرسول. Do it in accordance to the way that the Prophet did it. وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَةِ رَبِّهِ أَحَدًا And do not do it with shirk. يعني do it with ikhlas. Those are the two conditions. Also, Surah Al-Mulk. Surah Al-Mulk, Allah mentions, He says, لِيَبَلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا فُضَيْلْ مُعْيَاضٍ He said, أَخْلَصُهُ وَأَصْوَبُهُ فُضَيْلْ مُعْيَاضٍ He said, That every action is done with sincerity and it is also done in accordance, sincerity and in accordance to the uh, sunnah of the Messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام. Any action that is not done with those two is not accepted. It's not considered a ibadah. It's null and void. It's what? Null and void. And it will not be accepted from that person. Then the author, rahimahullah, now wants to give an example. Yani, as the scholars, they say, الْمَقَالِ right? With an example, the statement becomes clear. That's not, isn't that not the case? It is. And somebody might give you something and then example to explain it. The author now wants to show you, okay, listen. He said to you that any ibadah, that is not done with Tawheed is not accepted. It's not considered a ibadah, correct? He says, كَمَا أَنَّ الصَّلَاةَ لَا تُسَمَّى صَلَاةً إِلَّا مَعَ الطهارة. The same is, if you pray a salah with no tahara, is that salah accepted? Or is that considered a salah? Do we call it a salah? A person is, a person is praying, and he didn't even do wudu. He didn't do the tahara, whether it be asghar and akbar. He's either upon hadith, asghar or akbar, whatever it may be. Would his salah be accepted? Is that, would we even call that a salah? No, we won't. We'll say that's not a salah. Because of the Prophet's hadith, لا يقبل الله صلاة أحدكم إذا أحدث حتى يتوضأ. That Allah does not accept the prayer of a person who is upon minor impurity unless he does wudu. Allah will not accept it from you. 
لا يقبل الله الله doesn't accept it يعني this is not a salah are we all together and this statement that we say that it's not a salah even if you pray we say you didn't pray where did we get this from we get it from the story of al-musi'u salatahu the man who didn't pray properly and he came to the Prophet sallallahu the Prophet said, and he said, Go back and pray. You haven't prayed. The man went and he prayed. He came back. He said, Assalamu alaikum. The Prophet said, Go back and pray. You haven't prayed. Did the man pray? He did pray. But the Prophet said, You didn't pray. Then the man went and he prayed. Third time. He came to the Messenger والسلام, and he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, Assalamu alaikum. The Prophet said, وَعَلَيْكُمُ السَّلَامِ إِرْجَعْ فَصَلِّ فَإِنَّكَ لَمْ تُصَلِّ إِرْجِعْ فَصَلِّ فَإِنَّكَ لَمْ تُصَلِّ Go back and pray. You haven't prayed. And then he said, وَالَّذِي بَعَثَكَ بِالْحَقِّ نَبِيَّا مَا أُحْسِنُ غَيْرَ هَذَا فَعَلِّمْنِي Wallahi, I swear by the Lord who sent you as a messenger and a prophet. Wallahi, I can't pray better, better than what I prayed. I don't know better than what I know. That you saw is my best. Teach me. And the Prophet taught him how to pray. From that we take if a person does an action in the religion and he doesn't do it in the way that the religion set it and he doesn't do it with the shurut we will say you didn't even do the action at all the man prayed he did ruku' he did not he did the prophet said like him you didn't pray that's not salah you didn't you did something else pray like him go and pray are we all together brothers that's the same thing with a person who does a ibadah without ikhlas and and mutaba'ah he does it with no sincerity for Allah. He doesn't do it for Allah alone. And also, he doesn't do it in accordance to the sunnah. We will say, you did not do an ibadah here. You did something else. Repeat the act. Bring it back. The same is with the salah. If a person prays a salah with no tahara, is that a salah? No, it's not a salah. We'll say, bring back the salah. Even if he remembers it five years from now. And he goes, ah, five years ago, I remember one day I prayed. Bring it back. He never prayed the salah. The salah is still on his neck. He has to bring it back. So if tahara strips, the lack of tahara strips from you the prayer and makes you a person who hasn't prayed, okay, then what about if tawheed is missing from this ibadah? We won't call this an ibadah. If tawheed is missing from it, we won't call it an ibadah. The same way if tahara is missing from the salah, we don't call it salah. That's what the sheikh is trying to point out here. And this mas'ala, by the way, Ibn al-Mundir brought an ijma' that it's this salah is not accepted. Rahimahullah. Shaykh al-Islam Taybi brought ijma' in his qawaid al-Nuraniyah. Ibn al-Qayyim brought it in his tahrib al-Sunan. He brought ijma' on it. Ibn Taymiyyah also brought another ijma' in the Majmu' al-Fatawa. Nawawi brought an ijma' in his kitab al-Majmu' which is the sharh of Muhaddab al-Ibshaq al-Shirazi. Ibn Qudama brought it in his kitab al-Mughni which is the sharh of the kitab Mukhtasar al So this is unanimously agreed upon that salah without tahara is not a salah. You have to bring it back. Huh? The same is with tawheed. No tawheed, no ibadah. So the Shaykh Rahimahullah Ta'ala brought this point. Then he said, If shirk enters the ibadah, it destroys it. Here, a shirk is al the lam and the alif here is jins. Is that? It's j is jins. That's what it is. Sorry, sorry, the alif lam in al ibadah. The word and the alif lam here 
is jins yani he's referring to yani jami'a anwa' al-ibadah that's what he's trying to say he's saying fa idha dakhala ash-shirk if shirk enters into what fil ibadah fil ibadah in the ibadah alif lam in al-ibadah is what alif lam here is lil jinsi yani he's trying to say all of the ibadat whichever of them it may be it doesn't matter. It's not a particular. It's not a particular type of ibadah that shirk can enter. Any ibadah from the ibadat out there, if it enters it, it will destroy it. It will destroy it. And that, inshallah Taala, is going to come. The explanation for it is going to. Kal hadathi. Now again, the sheikh is bringing another example for you to understand, which is like kal hadathi. Hadath is. Someone who has a wudu, for example, and he passes wind. In the middle of the salah, he passes wind, for example. What happens? Is that salah correct? Can he carry on the salah? لا. He has to stop the salah and go. Because of the hadith of Prophet Sallallahu the Prophet he, in the hadith that he said, If you hear a sound, then now you, you have to cut the salah. Other than that, you don't. Or you smell something. So somebody is in the salah, he passes wind. Can he carry on the salah? Is he allowed to carry on the salah? No, he's not allowed to carry on the salah. The salah broke. Shirk is the same way. If he enters the ibadah, it does the same thing to it. The minute it goes in, it destroys the ibadah. It completely destroys the ibadah. The shaykh here is trying to break it down to the level of a beginner student of knowledge to understand these issues. They're not hard. Simple to you to, for you to understand. فَإِذَا عَرَفْتَ If you've now realized what I've said to you and you've agreed with me. فَإِذَا عَرَفْتَ أَنَّ الشِّرْكَ إِذَا خَالَطَ الْعِبَادَةِ If you've now accepted this point from me, that if shirk mixes with the ibadah, أَفْسَدَهَا It corrupts it. وَأَحْبَطَ الْعَمَلَ And it nullifies a person's deeds. وَصَارَ صَاحِبُهُ مِنَ الْخَالِدِينَ فِي النَّارِ And the person will be from the dwellers of the hellfire forever. Ah. It's tricky now. If a person passes wind in the prayer, for example, or breaks their wudu, that is destroyed the ibadah, right? You destroyed your salah now. Once you passed wind in the salah, you destroyed it. But hadith and shirk, shirk is worse. Because the passing the wind does not entail, it does not entail the destruction of all of the other deeds that you did. The, the other prayers that you prayed, it doesn't harm it, the hadith. Nor does the hadith make you from the dwellers of the hellfire forever, like in shirk does. Shirk is worse. Shirk is what? Is worse. Shirk, once you come with shirk, it destroys this ibadah and all of the other ibadah that you did. That's why Allah said in the Quran, in if you do shirk Muhammad and you associate if you associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, amaluk. Your actions and your righteous deeds will all be nullified. All of them will be nullified. And they will all go. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said that. Also Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, he said, Inna Allah la yaghfiru an yushraka bi wa yaghfiru maduna dhalika liman yasha. Allah does not forgive a person who associates partners with him. And the other ayah, وَلَقَدْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ وَإِلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ لَإِنْ أَشَرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكَ وَلَتَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ بَلِ اللَّهَ فَعَبُدْ وَكُمْ مِنَ الشَّاكِرِينَ this ayah tells us, وَلَقَدْ أُوْحِيَ إِلَيْكَ Muhammad, we have sent a revelation unto you. 
not just only you. And prophets and the messengers that came before you. We said the same thing to them. What would you say to them? We said to them, لَإِنْ أَشَرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكَ that if you associate partners with Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, your righteous deed will be nullified. And you are going to be from what? وَلَتَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ You're going to be from the failures who fail. That's Nabiullahi Muhammad and all the Prophets. That's what Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala said to, said to them. Also Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala said in the Quran, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَعَنَ الْكَافِرِينَ وَعَدَّ لَهُمْ سَعِيرًا Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala, He cursed those who disbelieve in Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. And Allah Taala He has prepared for them Sa'ira Khalidina Fiha. They're gonna stay in there for what? They're gonna stay in there forever. No non-Muslim will enter hellfire for a bit and come out. No Muslims will stay in hellfire forever, Allah Taala says. Also Allah says in another ayah, Anyone who associates partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Jannah is haram from him. He will never enter Jannah. It's impossible. For him to enter it. Allah also said in another ayah, يُرِيدُونَ أَنْ يَخْرُجُوا مِنَ النَّارِ وَمَا هُمْ بِخَارِجِينَ مِنْهَا وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ مُقِيمٌ They want to come out of the hellfire. The disbelievers. Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْ أَنَّ لَهُمْ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا وَمِثْلَهُ مَعَهُ لَفْتَدَوْا بِهِ مِنْ عَذَابِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ مَا تُقُبِّلَ they want to leave the hellfire. They will never leave the hellfire. For them is a hellfire that's going to be forever. It's going to stay forever and it's never going to stop. That's what's for those people. Allah won't forgive them, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah doesn't forgive shirk, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He already told us that. So that's how dangerous it is. By coming with shirk, you're going to be in hellfire forever and ever and ever. You're never going to come out. Khalidan mukhalladan finnar. It's very dangerous. Now the author says to you, عرفت أن أهم ما عليك معرفة ذلك. Then what is the what is the most important thing that the person needs to know? If if shirk is going to do this to you, and tawhid is the only thing that's going to take you to jannah, what do you have to do, brothers and sisters? The author the author is saying is the most important thing for you is to study the tawhid. أول واجب على العبيد معرفة الرحمن بالتوحيد as the author صاحب سلم الوصول إلى علم الأصول said حافظ الحكمي رحمه الله and the other poet he said وبعد فالتوحيد علم ينبل على العلوم كلها ويفضل قد أوجب الرحمن منه قدر ليس يصح الدين حتى يدرى توحيد is the most important knowledge it's the only thing that's going to take you to jannah you can be nice to your parents, you can be nice to your neighbors, you can be the best person in your community, you can be a well-mannered individual if you want. If you come with shirk and you associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will stay in the hellfire forever and ever and ever. It's the unforgivable crime. It's, for the, it's the unforgivable crime. So you need to work on studying tawheed and understanding the concept of a tawheed and also learning shirk because shirk is the opposite of tawheed. And you won't be able to stay away from something unless you studied it as well. عرفت الشر لا للشر ولكن لتوقيه ومن لم يعرف الشر من الخير يقع فيه. If you don't study the evil and understand it the way it is, you might fall into it. حذيفة بن اليمان he said كان الناس يسألون رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الخير وكنت أسأله عن الشر مخافة أن يدركني. 
the people that used to ask the Prophet ﷺ about the good and I used to ask him about the evil because I was scared that the evil might come my way. So you study shirk, which is evil. You learn it. How did shirk come? What, are, what is the reality of shirk? What are the forms in which shirk comes? So you can stay away from it and not fall into it. The author then, rahimahullah, he says that it's the most important thing. That Allah may protect you from this uh, harm that shirk has. Um, and that Allah guides you to the straight path. And then the author, rahimahullah, starts the four principles. So we've now done the introduction, inshallah, today. Uh, next week we're going to start the Qawaid al-Arba' The four principles That was an introduction uh, Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect Is from me and Shaytan And Allah and His Messenger are both free from it Subhanak Allah wa bihamdi Ashadu an la ilaha illallah Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayh I'll take your questions inshallah ta'ala If you have any questions Is there any questions? Um, in the current time Please advise Is it better to pray at home or the masjid because they've now mentioned that there's safe for people to come to the masjid with precautions uh, they make sure that they wear their face mask uh, they bring their own musalla and there's you know there's social distancing between uh, the people uh, with those precautions without a doubt praying in the masjid is better because you're praying with the jama'ah you're also in a safe mashallah you're taking a safe step uh, steps uh, which is sanctioned by the uh, Ministry of Health. So w- I don't see why uh, praying at home would be compared to praying in the masjid now because praying in the masjid is no problem now. Health-wise, alhamdulillah, is good uh, as long as you follow those steps. Would, uh, would we get a copy of the text? Uh, also, can you please repeat the three signs of happiness? The three signs of happiness are in the text of the book. But they are either The author says that you when you're giving something, Allah gives you something subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you show uh, gratitude. That's the first. When Allah gives you something subhanahu wa ta'ala and He blesses you with things, you show gratitude. The second is when you are uh, going through hardship and calamities that you show um, patience. And uh, the third one is when you commit sins. You ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. Okay. Assalamu alaikum Ustad. Can you elaborate more on the example you mentioned that if your salah was done without tahala then you have to bring it back even after a long time has passed by does this mean if we had a doubt, then we should repeat that prayer again? If a person has a doubt whether they had tahara or not, it goes to the following scenario. So if you knew that you had tahara, but you're doubtful whether you broke it or not, then the qa'idah is al-yaqeenu la yazulu bil-shak. You can't remove the certainty with doubt. You knew that you had wudu, or you were in a state of tahara, you knew that you did. And then you started to doubt whether you broke it or not. This doubt cannot remove the certainty that's there. So we'll just stick with the certainty. But if you are not, you're not sure whether you've done the tahara in the first place, you're not even sure aslan that you even did the tahara in the first place, then you have to bring back that prayer. Because there's no certainty that's, that's even there. 
Ustad, uh, can you mention some books on the Sharh of Qawaid al Arba'ah in Arabic as well as in English? Uh, I'm not really acquainted with the English, but the Arabic, we, you have a few of those explanations. You have Shaykh Abd Abdul Aziz Nubaz Sharh. You also have uh, Sheikh Salah Al Fawzan. You have the Sharh of Sheikh Salah Ali Sheikh. You also have the Sharh of Sheikh Salah ibn Abdullah ibn Hamid al Usaymi. You have the Sharh of many Mashaykh, Abdullah al Ankari. Yani many Mashaykh have explained the Kitab, whether it be tapes or even PDFs or even written books. So it's the number is too much to find. Like there are, I wouldn't be exaggerated if I say the Kitab Sharh is over a hundred. So there are many. Also, Sheikh Haytham al-Sarhan has a nice, basic, simple explanation of the Kitab for a beginner student of knowledge, which was translated in English by our brother Abu Abbas Naveed, which you can find, inshallah ta'ala. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi Sheikh. May Allah grant you good. Love you for the sake of Allah, Sheikh. Wanted to know, with all the fitness happening in the world and people being people and imams uh, and doing acts of misguidance in public, how can we investigate who took who to take our deen from, and what sh- and what steps should we take to make sure we take from the people of Sunnah? There are many people who just take from whoever speaks in public and claims to be an Imam of Islam. At the time of fitan, like that we're living in right now, a person should focus on every day in their life to nurture themselves with beneficial knowledge and righteous action. Every day of our life, we have to nurture ourselves with al-ilm al-nafi' wal-amal salih Yawmul Qiyamah, when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you won't be asked about other people, you'll be asked about yourself. When you go into your grave, you're going to be asked about yourself. You're going to be asked, مَا وَمَا نَبِيُّكُ وَمَا Make sure that you have the answers for these questions. Prepare the answers for those questions that you know you're going to be asked. Prepare for yourself what you need to enter Jannah. Right now, make your first concern yourself. Am I, am I below the requirement of what is needed from me? If yes, then push yourself up. If you think that you're, 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 you are as you should, then you also need to still work on making sure that you push yourself to your, to your limits. We're living at a time when people are forgetting to focus on themselves and their own children and their own family members. Maybe your, your, your cousins and your relatives or your siblings are not upright on the religion. Focus on them and then make your way up as you go to the community. What's happening online and social media, don't busy yourself with those things. The time is valuable. Focus on studying and learning. Put your head down. A lot of the sad reality is that people are very consumed with the hype and the problems that are happening online, that they forget to benefit themselves and benefit their own children and to benefit their family members. The sign of the believer is He's mafatiha lil khayr, The sign of the believer is that he's a key to good and he locks the doors of evil. Be the key to good for your own self and your family and those who are closest to you. Focus on yourself. And I don't, 
I don't mean in any way, shape, or form that the doors of Al-Amr bil-Ma'roof and Nahi anil Munkar is closed. But I'm saying we're seeing that reduce. Our act, our own acts of ibadah are low. Our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is low. Our yani, tarbiyah of our children is very low. Our relationship with our neighbors and those who are closest to us is very low. Our relationship with our parents is very low. And we're focusing about other people. So I first of all want to say, yani, focus on yourself. Study and nurture yourself in knowledge. These great scholars in Islam that you see, Kashaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, ibn al-Qayyim, ibn Rajab, ibn Kathir, ibn Abdul Hadi, al-Dhahabi, ibn al-Hajjaj, al-Mizi, and other than them, they first of all learnt knowledge for decades of their life. Once they mastered it, then they went out to benefit those who are around them. The poet he said, Learn to take yourself out of misguidance. First of all, you're learning and you're studying to take yourself out of misguidance. That's the first part of the question. The second part is Hudayfa ibn al Yamanin, I think it was him, or Mu'adh ibn Jabal, but I think it's Hudayfa. A man came to Hudayfa and he was talking to Hudayfa, and Hudayfa said to him, He said, Take the wisdom and the truth, take the wisdom from a dim-witted one. So the man said to Hudayfa, How would I know that this dim-witted one has spoken wisdom? How am I going to know? Which is similar to your question. And then he said to him, Hudayfa, Inna lil nura. The haqq has light to it. The person who's calling to the sunnah, you realize him from far. All he will say to you is, Qala Allahu ta'ala, Allah said. Qala Rasulullah, the messenger said. And then he will quote the early scholars of al-Islam, the sahabas and the tabi'een and the atba'u tabi'een and what they said. That's what he will do. All day he will do that. He won't insert his own personal opinions and what he thinks. He will quote to you the three noble generations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger praised. The best generation is my generation and the generation that came after. So inshallah, our life is very short anyways. And we are not going to live forever. The Prophet said. The lifespan of this ummah is between 60 to 70 and little go over. You're not going to live forever. Don't do things that are going to waste your time. Focus on studying, learning. Every day you wake up, ask yourself this honest question. Did I gain beneficial knowledge today? Beneficial knowledge. And the second thing is, did I gain righteous action? Today have I got an extra righteous action I never used to do that I do today. If, you are, if your answer is yes, then you're, you're on the right track. I remember I met Sheikh Abdul Razak ibn Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad, Hafizahullah ta'ala. And at the time of my life I was, I was going through, I asked him a couple of questions. And he said something that stuck with me for a very long time. He said to me, your life should really revolve around the hadith of the Prophet Strive to what will benefit you. Ask Allah for help every day And don't give up He said don't get sidetracked with other things 
And when I look at Shaykh Abdul Razak, he is a side of the definition of that hadith. I really see it in him. He really strives to what benefits him. He doesn't get caught up with other things that are not beneficial for him. ta'ala. He doesn't busy himself with that which doesn't concern him. Min husnil Islam The sign of the true believer is that he leaves off that which does not concern him. Busy yourself with yourself and learning knowledge. The people of the Sunnah who call to the Sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, who warn against innovation, who warn against shirk, are clear. Their da'wah makes it clear. What they say makes it clear. How they preach and what they say is clear. The fitrah is accepting to it. That's something anyone can understand. And the one who has other agendas is also clear. Ustaz, may Allah preserve and honor you in this world and here is the dua Allahumma. So the brother he, uh, Najil asked a question. May Allah preserve you and honor you in this dunya. Is the dua Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husn ibadatika? Is it before the taslim or after the taslim? There are differences of opinions amongst the, the scholars. Like in uh, what seems to be strongest is that it's after the taslim. That when the person finishes the salah, they make that dua. Um, could you please repeat what was meant by Millata Ibrahim Hanifa? Millata Ibrahim Hanifan is Antabudallah Wahdahu Mukhli Salahu Deen, as the Sheikh said. Millata Ibrahim Hanifan means to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and not to associate partners with him subhanahu wa ta'ala. It means the aqeedah, the tawheed Ibrahim called to. That's what it means. Millata Ibrahim. I will stop there inshallah ta'ala. Barakallahu feekum Wajazakum Allahu khayran for listening Any mistakes or shortcomings that came from me Is from me and shaitan and Allah and his messenger Are both free from it Subhanakallahumma bihamdi ashadu an la ilaha illallah Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayh